You're about to hear my conversation with Drew Riley, where we get into the lifestyle of a digital nomad. Let's get into it. Hey, here's my real-time-ish update for you, and I'm recording this one on May 6th, 2024. First, I just want to say that once and for all, the name of this podcast, I'm sticking with the name Open Threads. <laughs> you may have noticed I had briefly renamed it there uh, in early 2024. I was using the name Full Stack Founder. Well, long story short, I'm sunsetting that brand name and that website. It was a short-lived project that just didn't quite stick. So this podcast is back to its original name, Open Threads, from here on out. Okay, so uh, my so as for my update, uh, you know, my main focus now continues to be instrumental products. That is my product studio where I partner with clients mainly on UI and UX work, and uh, I specialize in designing modern interfaces for SaaS companies, and I deliver my designs in the form of coded HTML and Tailwind CSS templates and components. So that's the uh, the main um, service that I've been working with a couple of clients lately on, and uh, it's something that I continue to uh, to really double down on the rest of this year. Other than that, I'm spending the rest of my time building out some new software products of my own to uh, to add to my small portfolio. My main SaaS product, Clarity Flow, continues to run smoothly uh, with my small team, and we're always working on some imp- improvements there. So that's my update for now. On to the show. So I'm about to roll my conversation with Drew Riley. He's back on the show today. And on this one, we talk all about his work life as a digital nomad. So in the previous episode that I did with Drew, we talked all about his business, Trends.VC. It's a fantastic newsletter business, tons of systems and incredible operation and business that he's grown there. But he's been able to do that from living all over the world in different locations. So I wanted to really unpack this and understand what that lifestyle looks like. It's a really good, it's a really great conversation. Here it is. Here's my chat with Drew about digital nomad life. Enjoy. So we're back here with, with Drew Riley. Drew, thanks for coming back. And we're going to continue our conversation. Um, in the last episode, we talked all about your business, trends.bc. That was a really great chat. But in this one, I want to talk about nomad life. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, where are you right now? That's, that's my first question. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in Mexico City right now, my favorite place in the world. And it's uh, kind of ironic we're talking about nomading because this time in particular, I've 90, I've made the decision like 95% certainty. I'll make this my base next year. So what does base really? mean? Yeah. I spend six months at least out of the year here. And then, you know, I may like travel the other six months and Mexico City is good for that because they have a rainy season and then they have times like this where every day is just beautiful. Yeah. I hear so many great things about Mexico City and I've never been there. I got to get down there. I would recommend it. Let me know when you come. I have I think 230 pinned places uh, in Google Maps. And oh, wow. I think it's hard to compare to any American city because American cities, it feels like they're built for cars first. Uh, yeah. And that's not the the feeling that you get here at all. It's a very, uh, it's, a, it's a proper city. 
Yeah, yeah, very cool. So how long have you been doing this, like moving around and, and you know, nomad life, if you will? Almost, almost three years. February of 2024 will make three years. And wow. I did a trial run of this back in, maybe that was 2018 when I did a solo trip through Europe. And I learned some things that I was able to apply to when I eventually started nomading full-time. And the biggest thing I learned is that if you switch places, I'll speak for myself. If I split switch places too often, I sort of stopped trying to build relationships or, you know, invest in friendships. And that's why mm -hmm. this time around, uh, most places I go to, I typically stay there for three months. So I was mm -hmm. three months in Turkey, three months in the Canary Islands. Uh, and then places like Mexico City that I come back to a lot, you can just sort of you know, pick up those relationships and keep running. That's how I yeah. found my jujitsu gym here. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. I was, I was going to ask you like how long in each place, so like three, three months or so. That sounds, that sounds pretty cool. I mean, what is like the benefit of, of, of doing this? Like, why do you love it so much? How come you've been at it for three years? Uh, yeah. What, what's the, yeah. what's the draw for, for people who, who don't do this kind of thing? It has its drawbacks, but first, talk about the draws. Yeah. Uh, so I have this idea of comfort challenges that I talk about a lot, where I consider a comfort challenge like anything you do that's new and or uncomfortable. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's just the way we grow. That's the way we expand our world is by doing these new and or uncomfortable things. And nomadic feels like a way to kind of turn that idea into like a life where you know, I'd never been to Grand Canaria before. So, you know, there are infinitely like new things there. And like in terms of, for example, that was the first co-working space that I went to where they had monitors and you can't see it. But now I have like the secondary monitor because I was able to draw this connection between how productive I feel and how much screen space I have. I'm sure there's some upper limit, but there is, you know, this, um, I don't know, before the, 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 the benefits start to even out. There's, it's funny. There's I'm, I'm, I actually just got rid of my second monitor. I'm just like trying out, like going back to the single thing, a little yeah. bit more focused. I don't know. Yeah. I had a big curved <laughs> monitor, like 34 inch in Atlanta. So it's not about multiple monitors for me, but it is about having enough real estate. Mm. But yeah, that's just one example of, okay, I don't think I would have discovered that. And that's a tiny example, but discovered mm -hmm. that if I was just sort of in, you know, locked in, in Atlanta, uh, yeah, different cultures, the way they treat people uh, i tried mm -hmm. uh uzbeki food for the first time in turkey i love love wow. love it so it's it's, it's it's a way to turn copper challenges into a way of life just because if you're just trying to live but you're in a new place you can't rely on the old habits that have gotten you to where you are uh, yeah. it's just like habit rot isn't real when you're constantly on the move that's yeah, one of many benefits i i could totally see that i mean my family and I love to travel. We we did like a mini nomading thing back in 2015. It was basically just around the U.S., just, you know, Airbnb being in different places for a couple of months each. And we we did a bit of travel through Europe. But other than that, we just do a lot of like vacation travel, which is like very, very different from what from what you're talking about. Like you're, like you're really setting up shop and like living in a place for for three months and, and really, in, you know, getting like ingrained in it. Um, yeah. And to go back to habits, uh, like this way of life, I'm really, really big on habits. So you can probably pick that up from our previous conversations on systems, but it forces you to design your habits and design your life in a way that's any fragile isn't the word, but robust where it can withstand different environments, right? So mm -hmm. 
back in Atlanta to give you a very specific example. I like doing deadlifts with hex bars, but maybe 10 or 20% of gyms actually have hex bars. So, you know, you better learn how to deadlift with a regular barbell. This is a tiny example, yeah. but you may not have a bike everywhere you go. So figure out other ways to exercise or some cities like Istanbul aren't conducive to biking. So you just learn to roll with the punches and build like a very, you know, robust system around your life. Yeah. You get like super flexible. Like in, instead of like, oh, they don't have my, my workout system or, or, or this or that food, instead of saying like, oh, I'll just take a break from working out. You're going to have other, other ways to get it done. Absolutely. I love it. Uh, favorite places. You obviously Mexico City. Yeah, um, Mexico City is up there. Other, other like highlights that that you'd like point out to is like some some favorite spots. As much crap as I give American cities, I still love Atlanta. It doesn't have it's next not next to a body of water, which some people will critique. Uh, traffic can get pretty crazy, which some people can critique. But uh, just in terms of food, the mix between sort of urban living and nature. Uh, is mm -hmm. great. Uh, the airport, you can have a direct flight to almost anywhere in the world. Yeah, it's a big hub. Uh, great, yeah, great mix of cultures. So Mexico City, I still love Atlanta. Uh, what are some other places? Lima, I was surprised by Lima. And I think I went at a mm. good time of the year because as I would interact with different people and talk about how much I love it, people are like, you love it now. Like, wait until <laughs> a few months from now. Uh, and it's called wow. like the, a foggy desert. So it won't rain, but it becomes very foggy and very hard to see at certain parts of the year in Lima. So what mm. else? Yeah, I tried surfing how, there. Surfers love that that place. Oh yeah, yeah. How has it been for you uh, going, whether it's Europe or like Asia, you know, like and dealing with time zones? And I, I'm sure your whole team is remote, obviously. But like, has has that had an impact on how you work? And you know, because like, I I've had some friends who, that like most of their company is based in the U.S., but then they go live in Europe for for a period of time, and it's pretty disruptive. Like they have to literally do their work in at like nighttime hours and, and shift their schedule around. Have, have you have to dealt with any of that? Yeah, this gets back into, I guess, management and sort of, so we only have one call per week. Like everyone's calls are on Mondays with our analyst slash editor slash marketer. We have monthly check-in, a monthly one-on-one. Uh, and then with our operations person, we have bi-weekly one-on-ones. And then just the team has a 90 minute call each Monday. So that kind of limits the need for everyone to be running, you know, on the, at the same time, I would co-work with some people in Istanbul where they have to be online from like 8 PM to 4 PM. Cause it's like the company is in California, things like that. So we don't necessarily have those issues. And mm -hmm. I actually like the jump from, you know, America's type time zones to Europe or even Istanbul, because I can start my day later if I want to. Mm. And, you know, our check-in call, instead of being at 10 a.m., it might be at 4 p.m. or something, which is okay. Nice. It has kept me from Asia. I've been to Asia before, but that was back before Trends VC, uh, because I think that will become very hard to navigate, right? Where you're almost on the opposite time as everyone yeah. else. Yeah. Just a few we, months ago, we, we were in Philippines and Cambodia and, uh, and yeah, that is my, um, it's literally out, especially when you're in the Philippines, you're literally 12 hours difference from, from where I live in the U S and it's, uh, I mean, it's literally night and day, <laughs> like, you know, not, not only the jet lag, just getting there, but like 
like when I'm working, my team is, uh, you know, just getting up or something like that. Different yeah. thing. And that's the only thing that's kept me away from Asia in the last three years, because otherwise there's so many places, the Philippines, I would love to go. Cambodia, Vietnam, I would love to go. But yeah, there's so much to see out there. And that, that I, I've, we've only been, we've been to the Philippines three times. My wife has, has some family there and, and then we try to hit like one other spot. What every time we go there has nice. done like Bangkok and Cambodia, but haven't really done too much in China other than Hong Kong. But it's like that, that whole side of the world is, is where every culture is, is different in its own ways, but that's where I feel like, wow, this is like a whole, literally a whole other side of the world here. Hey, real quick, this podcast is sponsored by Instrumental Products. That's my product studio where I and my small crew, we take new product ideas from concept to launched. I'm a full stack product designer and developer, and I love collaborating with fellow founders, creators, and SaaS companies to bring that spark of energy into new product ideas. Think of Instrumental Products as your shortcut to shipping that next idea and getting it into the hands of your customers as efficiently as possible. Got something to ship? Let's talk. Visit instrumentalproducts.com to learn more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, crazy. Um, all right. I want to get a little bit back into like the systems and processes. <laughs> um, like what is your, so, you, you know, you talked about like three months, give or take the, in, in each place. Like what is your process for like identifying like where to next, you know, researching and, mm -hmm. and, and preparing and then, and then landing in the place and getting situated. Like how, how are you, you, you've been through that enough times now. Like I'm sure you, you've, you've figured out some hacks and some streamlining things and yeah. 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 One of the first things I do to go back to, I talked about having like 300, 230 pins in Mexico City of like sort of places to check out. That's the first thing I'll do before I book a flight or before I seriously consider going to a place. And I think this strategy, like it, for me, it exposed the weaknesses of American cities because any place I go to, I try to look for where can I build my 10 minute town, meaning that the place that I'm going to work from, whether it's a cafe or co working spaces, that in relation to my gym, in relation to good restaurants, in relation to where I'm staying, they're all like within a 10 minute walk of each other. Just because it reduces friction, it means that I work out more often. I get access to better food without wasting too much time transitioning between places. So if I start to drop these pins and there are no like concentration, like very convenient areas, I just, that goes to the bottom of my list uh, and I, I just won't go. Uh, what else goes into this process? I guess like in the research thing, because I run into this when I'm just planning upcoming trips and yeah. stuff to, to new places. Like, do you, how, how are you able to like get a feel for deciding on your, your home base from being afar? Like, is it literally just like the concentration of like restaurants and businesses in this area that, that looks pretty good? I mean, that, that leads the research process for me. Uh, another thing I'll do, but I wouldn't say that this is one of the first things that I'll do, uh, but go to uh, YouTube and look at like walking, not walking tours, mm -hmm. but people who just have cameras on their neck and they're just, they're not talking. They're just walking the streets. Mm -hmm. And that gives you a completely different feeling than you might get from like a Travelpedia type video where someone put together a documentary about the place. Like, what is this like? 
at a, on a Wednesday at 2 p.m. in the afternoon and you're just mm. walking. Uh, so I'll, I'll tend to do that with some places, but it really just comes down to like quality of life, convenience. I also check out the weather of like, what is the weather like this time of year? But the thing that really rules the day for me is that I'm looking for a very, very high concentration of sort of places that I would be interested in and that I would use a lot, right? Not, you know, is this tourist destination next to where I'm living at? I don't care about that. Like I went to Istanbul and I don't think I, and I'm not saying this to brag, but went to the Grand Bazaar at all. Like I'm just, you know, really interested in quality of life and show me the laundromat, give mm-hmm. me a bus ticket. You know, what is life like here? Nice. Yeah. Are you using like Airbnb or how, how are you finding places to stay? Yeah, I'd say 80% of the time it's Airbnb. And then some places, not this time around, but the last few times I've come to Mexico City, I took advantage of this like apartment hotel. They're called Sonder, where mm. they're like apartments, but you can just rent them out in a more flexible way. And then that's another thing that when it comes to picking a place, I try to look for over time you build these preferences. So I know I want a washer and dryer, a patio, a full kitchen a separate bedroom. So not a loft, right? I need to separate Mm. where I work from where I lay my head at. Uh, And then it's, can you find a place at a reasonable price next to all of these other things? So it's really this crazy optimization problem. Yeah. All right. So getting there, you, you land like day one or week one, like what's your, what's your process for like getting, getting all set up? Week one, I want to walk. No, I'd say a tour, I prefer biking tours over walking tours, just because you cover more ground. Cover more but it ground. Kind of, exactly. gives you this sort of context or depth for where are you at? Like, what's the history of this place? Uh, and it completely changes your experience once you have that context where, you, where you're at. Uh, within that first week, I'll join a gym. I'll try to figure out, I'll try like a lot of different co-working spaces and cafes to sort of build a short list. And I want at least three just because I don't want to go back to the same place every day in a row, but kind of switch mm. them up of this is my Tuesday and Thursday's place. If I didn't, I think I already mentioned a gym. That's really it. Other than that, right. I just, you know, certain places have strengths that other places don't. I really like the hammams in Istanbul, but there's no hammam that I know of or that I would trust in Mexico City. So, you know, what I take it. Yeah. What about like, like the social scene and like, you know, both like work scene and just, just getting out and meeting people. I, I don't know if it's like, cause like how like shy I am as, as an adult. And like, and I, I find like actually like hanging out and like making friends locally a lot mm-hmm. more difficult here in my hometown than like online and through our industry and at, at conferences and things like that and on social and stuff like that. So like, how do you, I almost feel like doing what you do, like, like nomad life, it, it might make it easier to like, kind of, I'm, I'm here for three months. Like this is an opportunity to meet some people. How, how are you going about that? I think that question is also a function of sort of place and culture. For example, Istanbul, very, very, very open culture. Like I remember going to this cafe and met a guy, I think he was from Afghanistan. And then the next day we're co-working from a library just because I didn't consider like, again, it goes to different places have different strengths. The libraries in Istanbul, I can't speak for all of Turkey, but they're very, very good places to co-work from, but that wasn't on my radar. And we just struck up a conversation because he needed a like Thunderbolt cable or something. And then the next day, you know, we're co-working out of the library together. But would I expect for that to happen in, you know, Grand Canaria? No, just because there's a different culture there. 
I also find myself meeting a lot of people at the gym. And I don't like small gyms, but a benefit of small gyms, sometimes you have to share equipment. So you end up driving up a conversation there. Uh, yeah. So gyms, like, cafes, Tinder, if you're single. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. All right. I want to kind of circle back. We'll, we'll wrap this up here, but like, you know, maybe some of the challenges, but I, I think it's interesting that you talked about how Mexico City is sort of becoming your home base or even just the idea of having a home base. Uh, yeah. Like, can you speak a little bit about that? Like what? What do you think now are like the benefits of like, like, so you're, I guess you're still nomad life, you know, doing that thing, but you'll sort of like return to, to Mexico city. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I typically say like I'm slow manning, so it doesn't feel like that much of a different difference for me. I wouldn't be surprised if we did a breakdown of the last three years and I've spent, you know, close to six months in Mexico city as is, I would just break it up instead mm -hmm. of it being a continuous stretch, uh, because it's a place I come back to more often. And then even if that wasn't the case, it's not that much of a switch because I'm spending, you know, three months in Portugal or three months here. So it's like the difference between spending three months in a place and six months in a place. I don't think it's a huge jump, right? And then yeah. I, I don't see a, a, an end in sight when it comes to nomading just because of those benefits. But there are, you know, some drawbacks, right? Uh, I feel like, a lot of visas are designed this way where as an American, mm -hmm. you may get an automatic 90 days, but it's like, I feel like I just, you know, started to wrap my head around this place and get some of those efficiencies of, you know, living here and knowing where to go. And now I have to leave. So, mm -hmm. uh, I can start to kind of, I guess, benefit from that more of having more of a base. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Super exciting, man. I, I want to like, I, you know, my wife and I always talk about like doing this thing again, but now that we have kids growing up in the, in the schools and everything, I feel like we're kind of locked down and then we, we, we do most of our traveling in the summer. Yeah. It, it, it's exciting. I'm always kind of yeah. jealous of folks like you who get to travel to the globe and do this thing. <laughs> they, I think school is sort of a big objection or reason not to do it, but I'll try to send you some episodes. I listen to a lot of nomading podcasts where you have mm -hmm. families that do this and, you know, they have different ways that they solve like schooling challenges, things like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, good stuff. Great to catch up, Drew. Likewise. All right. Yep. See ya. That does it for today's episode of Open Threads. What'd you think? Let me know on Twitter or X. I'm at CastJam. And you can find the full videos for all episodes of Open Threads on the YouTube channel for this podcast. That's youtube.com slash open threads. One more thing. I'd really appreciate if you'd give this podcast a five-star review on iTunes. That helps a lot. Thanks for listening. I'll see you on the next one.